CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Heron, and it has been a doozy week for Bachelor Nation. We are in some uncharted territory here, but I have Us Weekly entertainment editor, Emily Longretta, to help me break down this Colton Underwood and Cassie Randolph situation. Hello, Emily. Hi, Sarah. This is so wild. This, I never thought we would be having this conversation. I definitely did not think we would be having this conversation. And to preface this conversation, of course, you know, Emily and I, we're not lawyers. We are not in Cassie or Colton's relationship. Um, this is obviously a very serious topic, and we're just going to present you the facts because we have both seen and read the restraining order that Cassie Randolph was granted against Colton this week. I said on the podcast several times this summer that whatever was happening between Colton and Cassie couldn't be as bad as their cryptic post made it out to be after their split, but I was certainly wrong. Clearly you were wrong because it was way worse than we ever expected it to be. Honestly, if you had to like tell me, if you told me this was going to happen six months ago, I would have called you crazy. Like this is the last thing I expected from either one of them. It's so 2020 <laughs> and it's so horrible. But um, Cassie filed on Friday citing domestic violence prevention as the reason for her request for a restraining order. And on Monday, Us Weekly confirmed that she was indeed granted this order, which means Colton must stay at least 100 yards away from Cassie, her home, her car, her workplace at all times. Colton has also been ordered not to have any contact directly or indirectly in any way with Cassie. This order is in place until October 6th when the pair are expected to appear in court. Okay, so let's talk about some of the accusations in this yes. restraining order. Um, Cassie has accused Colton of harassing her via text message. Um, in some of these alleged text messages, um, which we have read, he has accused Cassie of seeing her ex-boyfriend, who, how do you pronounce his name? Do you have any idea? I believe it's Kale. I'm not sure, but if people watched Young Once, her first reality show that she did, he was the one she was with on that, and she broke up with on that, very interestingly. Yes, we will get into that in a little bit. But according to this restraining order, Colton repeatedly accused her of having a relationship with her ex again, which I believe she has denied. He proceeded to yell at her outside of her house, I'm going to hold you accountable. He texted her things like, I'm not like your old ex, I'm going to hold you accountable for your actions and how we were. Um, one of the texts said, I have a million questions, all of them. I don't know if I want the answers to my heart hurts a lot right now. I miss my best friend, my lover, the one person I never expected to lose. I've grown so much with you so far. And I had a list of things I was looking forward to talking to you about over dinner. Anyways, I only want the best for you. And these feelings are all coming from a place of love. 
quote, it's crazy to think we used to be in a position of love. I ask myself all the time how someone who I loved and loved me could do some of the things and say some of the things that you have. I mean, what was your instinct when you were reading these? So if it was just the texts, I would say, and I want to preface this also by saying, like, I'm not saying I don't believe her. I'm not saying I don't believe him. Like, either way, like, my opinion is not in this. But I would say when I was reading just the texts before I read the rest of her claims, to me, it turned, it seemed like a guy who was very upset, who got his heart broken, who maybe was obsessively tweeting or texting. Um, I think we've all been in kind of a situation like that, that, you know, someone, someone always gets more hurt in a breakup. And so sometimes you text a ton or you receive a ton of texts and things like that. So I think when I was reading those, like it came off to me as yes, a lot, but also like just really, really sad. Um, To me, it didn't come off as like scary, obsessive. But then if you put it together with the other claims made in the restraining order, there becomes a line there, obviously, that he crossed that made her weary. Yeah, one thing that's definitely clear is this was an unhealthy relationship. Um, And whether it was just the text and the other claims which I'm about, I'll read off in a second. Um, It definitely was unhealthy. And Cassie obviously feels uncomfortable and unsafe, which gives her obviously the right to, you know, of course. seek protection. It's important to note that obviously they, so they got together, they filmed their season in 2018. They announced their breakup at the end of May, but in the um, paperwork, she reveals they actually broke up in April. I found um, that so interesting. I always find it interesting when people like the split is never clear, like the date of the split, because of course, I think when you're in a relationship where it's that serious and you've been together for that long, um, it's not like, oh, we broke up on April 25th. Like, no, it was clearly conversations were had. Um, but of course, he was also going through COVID. So I'm very curious when when it was that he was completely cleared of that and they were able to even have a face-to-face conversation because we all know that they were staying very far apart even though he was staying in her place. Yeah, I can only imagine that they were having some issues at the beginning of this year and then he got sick and her family stepped up to take care of him and that maybe made him feel even closer to her, but maybe her she didn't feel the same way, but she was also documenting that a lot. So it was very confusing, I think, from the Bachelor fan standpoint because they saw this loving relationship and the interviews that they were giving about hoping to be engaged one day soon and obviously him taking care of her or her taking care of him. And then clearly behind closed doors, we didn't know what was going on. Some of the other claims in here include Cassie claiming that Colton placed a tracking device on the bottom of her car, which we saw pictures of this alleged tracking device in the restraining order, which as you said, you know, just reading the text was one thing, but seeing that was like pretty crazy. Um, yeah. you know, we don't know for sure if that was Colton, but either way, that's terrifying to find in your car. And obsessive walks to her home and her parents' house. Um, apparently, her neighbors and family members have seen him kind of all hours of the night lurking around her home. And honestly, the, obviously, those things are crazy. But the thing that really shocked me was this anonymous text message allegation. Yes. And these texts were wild. Right. So Cassie is claiming that Colton was texting her from burner phones to mess with her saying things like you like playing games, huh? Let's play some games. Let's say just we used to be family friends, be young, have your good time. You'll have nothing but regrets later. How you treat people smiley face totally seems like you're growing up lols with a Z living at your home still. Whoa. And then your mean texts, like obviously there are things you don't want to receive, especially from an anonymous number like that. 
I feel like anyone anyone normally that would be like a re- like really scary. But also if you're like someone that's in the public, that could be that's even scarier because you just have no idea who that is and they know this like personal information about you. Right. They got more and more specific. There were certain right. texts that like referenced her friends' names. It was obviously someone who knew her. And then she also alleged that Colton faked anonymous text messages to himself to try to show her proof that it wasn't him sending her the anonymous text messages. So wow. Yeah, I mean, there's no, obviously, there's no proof of that, that we know of right now. That said, she did have, she was showing that he was also getting the text messages, like he was texting her saying, like, here's what I'm getting. And she had screenshots of all of those to his number. So regardless, someone was sending them text messages, whether it was Colton, whether it was someone else in her life, we don't know. I believe that the restraining order also said he later admitted to putting the tracker on her car. That is what it said. Of course, we don't have any proof of that either. But if that is the case and he admitted it in person, I guess there is no way to prove that unless he says that. And we should know also, because I made sure to go back into our coverage and make sure to put this in, that because of legal issues, Colton's team cannot comment right now. Which, of course, I assume they're going to have to go through an entire process now and go to court to make an actual comment. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. I should have said that sooner. They said, quote, as this is a legal matter, we cannot provide any comment at this time. We do have a source that says that Colton is pretty blindsided by Cassie's decision to file this restraining order. This is, quote, a surprise. They haven't spoken in a month, and he's been in Colorado. In the text messages, in the restraining order, we can see most of them are dated like June, July. So it seems like this was happening. And then I don't know if something happened in August that made her decide to take this legal action, um, or if he something happened more recently. But we do know something that also fascinates me fascinates me about this whole thing is Colton and Cassie fought on Instagram like all summer, right? Over her appearance on Bachelor Greatest Seasons Ever, which she also mentions in some of her texts, like you went back on the show, the show that gave me depression, gave me anxiety. This is like a trigger for me. That's something he made clear in her text to her in the restraining order and on his own Instagram. Um, but in August... Colton went on Reality Steve's podcast and he said that they were on good terms and that he wrote a new chapter of his book, which was also a point of contention between them because she accused him of trying to monetize off their slit and that she read the chapter. Yeah, he said that they had worked on it together. And he, he even said, I remember in the interview, he said like, well, yes, it's my book. I say that we wrote this together because it was really our process going through it together about our breakup and then my experience with COVID. So I'm very curious, like, did they get together physically to write this book Did or to write this chapter? Was it all over text that they were sending? I, we don't know. And that is a really weird timing wise. But we also know they were spending a lot of time together this summer. There because, were all those pictures of them like at the beach, question mark. Yes. And after they broke up, they got similar tat. They got like tattoos from the same artist at the same time. And then a source told us yesterday that they actually were filming a reality show after they broke up, which is absolutely wild to me. And I would pay a lot of money to see that. <laughs> Apparently it was supposed to follow, you know, like post breakup life. And they, and in one of the texts uh, that was part of the restraining order, Cassie says, I'm pulling out, like I'm done. And he, he, he says, you know, uh, that's a good idea. Like, I think this is unhealthy for both of us. And our, our source confirmed that they both stopped filming. So I don't know when exactly they stopped filming, but 
they I was you know we were told that they'd been filming together all summer so that's it's so wild to me it's I wonder if they like struck a deal to do a show before they broke up and then they didn't want to not go through with it like was the show supposed to be a lovey-dovey newlyweds type show because he's always been pretty clear both of them we've interviewed both of them several times and they've both said that they were open to reality tv they always kind of teased doing something with her sister Michelle and her boyfriend Greg so I wonder if they were doing this show and then they kind of shifted the narrative to be like a can people stay friends like experiment and it went wrong exactly well that's and that's what it seems like because the producer that she named and we later confirmed that this was the producer that was working on it is jeff jenkins who worked with Buno murray for a long time he's worked with a lot of big shows um he launched his own deal he worked with like he worked on keeping up he worked on the simple life so like he had a very successful line of reality tv so it makes me think that yes there was a conversation long before they broke up about having this show and then it kind of went through obviously a lot of changes do you think we'll ever see footage from this show no way i i don't think unless the only way i could see it happening would be if they used it as evidence in the case which is like very dark and scary to think about because I don't know what they would possibly show but but I think that's the only way we would ever see any of it I totally agree with you but then another part of me thinks back to like those crazy Jersey Shore episodes where we see like Jen and Ronnie and so good some of the stuff that happened between them so if this is like supposed to be an MTV show like I wouldn't be shocked if they find a way to use it which I'm sure would not make Colton and Cassie very happy but I, I don't know the details of this deal I think it'd be so entertaining the same way that Jen and Ronnie footage was on Jersey Shore but it's so so completely I mean it's so toxic and like not great so I'm really hoping I kind of hope for both of their sakes that it kind of just stays between them of course for entertainment purposes I would love to see it because I'm curious yeah I think it would have to we'd have to see how this all plays out and if you know what happens in court I would also assume you know it's difficult because from Cassie's point of view she just wants to feel safe in her own home she wants this to end I'm sure she tried to be you know in some of the texts you see her pleading with him like I want to be on good terms this is just too much for me But then from Colton's perspective, this is obviously like a horrible look for him. Not that that's the most important thing by any means, but I'm sure he has a lot of deals in the works too. And to look like a stalker or an obsessive boyfriend, it's not great for your brain. Yeah, I mean, I think the words domestic violence are so, I mean, that's so scary. That's so scary that she feels that threat. It's so scary that he, I don't, we don't know what actually happened, but like the fact that this, he had said he had a lot of projects in the works. Um, I did an interview with him, I guess, right the same around the same time he did the Reality Steve podcast um, for Chat for Good Charity. And he said, you know, he was looking forward to returning to reality TV and that he had a lot of things in the works. I just don't know if this will change that because I, I think it will. I mean, most production companies and networks, that's not, you know, the image that they want. And that's not the image that Colton has ever had. I mean, Overall, he's been like the teddy bear guy on The Bachelor, and he's very well liked. So it's a very strange situation of how they will be able to move forward with that. Yeah, it should be really interesting to see how this plays out. And again, hopefully everyone, you know, feels safe and comfortable. And I do feel bad for Cassie because obviously, you know, it's hard to take this step. And I'm sure she knew it was going to blow up. Um, Obviously, you feel bad for Colton because 
everyone is making assumptions and no one really knows what happened. Mm-hmm. The only time we've had anything kind of like this happen in Bachelor Nation, I, I went through the archives, was back in 2007. Bachelor season six couple, Byron and Mary, she was arrested for allegedly punching him in the mouth during an wow. argument. And they stayed together for like two years after that. And then they broke up. So this is pretty uncharted territory, like I said, for Bachelor Nation. And I, I can imagine that I assume they're probably just going to try to ignore it as we gear up for Claire season. Did you see that new promo, by the way? Absolutely. Of course I thought. <laughs> what do you think? What's your favorite Claire pun? I mean, there's just so many. I mean, Clarity? I can't cl- clarify. I-, I just can't. I mean, there. I'm over the season already with all this drama. I'm over it slash cannot wait to see it go down. So ridiculous. I know. Um, but yes, I agree that this is unprecedented. And it's also so different for Bachelor Nation. Like in reality TV, this drama is so like normal to have. Like you know, we see it on the housewives. There's a million lawsuits and we have cease and desist and we have all this other stuff. And like you said, Jersey Shore, but like we even, it's never gotten like, like you said, there's one instance, but it's rarely gotten to any legal situation with Bachelor Nation. So yeah, I think it's just very scary. And I hope that Cassie can get some clarity of how she's feeling and get some answers because I think that filing a restraining order is one thing but having like 25 pages of like proof and you know exhibits of this behavior that scared her um that was definitely a you could tell that was a long thought out process it wasn't like she just woke up and was like I'm filing um so clearly she felt very threatened and like I hope that she gets clarity on that because that's scary no one deserves to feel that way ever so absolutely terrifying and I think it's you know people it's easy to look back now and like see like oh he jumped the fence he wouldn't let her leave the show like he loved her like that's not really fair to say like people are using that as like a joke and that's it's not funny there's nothing funny about it it's no terrifying but you know you can't rewrite history they obviously had some sort of loving relationship I don't think she would have been with him for a year and a half if she didn't feel that way but again we don't ever know what's going on behind closed doors and I think it's just another example 2020 has proven that none of us actually know anything No, and none of us know what's going on. Like that's, I think this is such a good way to prove that like Instagram and social media and even like interviews, like that's not real life. Like there's, you never know what's going on in someone's life. So like tread lightly when you're talking about people. And like, I feel like, you know, in social media, it's so easy to judge. And we're all victim of doing that. We all definitely judge and we post our best everything on social media, but like let's remember these people are humans. Let's remember that they go through a lot of stuff. Like we haven't heard from Colton. We probably won't, like you said, until the court, until the court hearing. But I, I think we just need to like kind of tread lightly on the entire thing. I agree. Um, before we close the book on this for now, cause I'm sure I'll be, I mean, I'll be giving updates. Um, like I said, just trying to give the facts. Um, I did want to ask you to, if you could explain a little bit more about this old reality show Cassie had, because you had some, we had some source reporting on it and we know a little bit about this ex-boyfriend who came up in Colton's text. Can you tell me a little bit about this show? Okay. So I've never seen Young Ones. I don't know if you've watched it. I'm very curious to go back and watch it now, but according to our source, after The Bachelor wrapped and she had broken up with Colton on the show before they decided to start dating, allegedly, she went back to the Young Ones producers and asked them to refilm her breakup with Kalen or Callen, whatever his name is. Um, Kale. Kale. Um, if refilm her breakup because it seemed too similar to how she broke up with Colton. Now, he in the texts that she used um in the restraining order he brings this up he brings up that you she wanted to go back and that it was a huge red flag for him but like it is what it is now our source claims that you know this is just her, 
more proof that she is in it for the fame and that what people think about her and how much they like Colton over her is something that is really important to her, um, which I think is probably hard no matter what. But I think that (laughs) the only thing we really know is that this ex-boyfriend wants nothing to do with this situation now. There's no proof that they were hanging out, but in the documents, Cassie claimed that like the minute that they hung out, Colton knew, which was of course why she thought he was like stalking her or around her house. But yeah, he wants nothing to do with this situation. I can confirm that. And I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he speaks out um, more formally, but I mean, she's made, she made some claims about him in the past too. Am I right? Yes, I did find um, some old, old interviews that Cassie did about this ex-boyfriend she had in college saying that they kind of had a toxic relationship and he got a little controlling and he wanted to marry her. And she was like, well, we're going too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's it's just another example of relationships are hard and tricky. Yeah, it's definitely a kind of just another layer of this. And it kind of you know, she's not a shy, she wasn't a shy person. She wanted to be part of that world as well. And that's completely fine. Yeah. I think it's clear both of them, like you don't go on the bachelor if you're like, don't want to be famous. Like there's some part of you that's intrigued by being famous. So none of them accusing each other of that. It's like a joke to me because it's like pot calling the kettle black. Like they all want to be famous or they're all open to the idea of being famous. If you've been on the show in the past decade or so, maybe before that, you know, anyone sure. that goes on reality TV wants their life on TV. Let's be like, right. let's- you think you're fascinating enough to have a reality show. So do I, by the way, no one's called. <laughs> um, but before I let you go, I think- if you're looking for a new show to replace it, Sarah, you're on I, I don't have uh, a relationship that we can follow yet, but I'll find a boyfriend if, if it's what it takes. <laughs> um, before I let you go, I did want to touch on what, what, a little bit, one more, um, more amicable split in Bachelor Nation, one that affected me. I don't know if it affected you, but Chris Souls and Victoria Fuller, it, the, the farmer and the controversial contestant have called it quits. Are you upset? To be honest, I am kind of upset because I really like Chris Souls and I know he's done some very questionable things through the years, but I've always like had a soft spot for him the same way I had for Colton, honestly, that like. He's like a teddy bear. He seems like he really just wants to find love. I feel like him and Victoria were so opposite from what we had seen of each of them that I kind of thought they were going to last. And I thought, you know, this, their leopard lizard date would be the start of something. Leaping lizard. (laughs) No, what I liked about them was two things. One, it was good old fashioned fun Bachelor Nation where we were, you know, you and I were like stalking her pictures and being like, oh, look, the pillow matches the pillow in his house. So she's definitely there. I can give you a literal map of Crystal's house of the amount of stu- pictures I've looked at. Right, because she wasn't confirming she was there. And that was like good old-fashioned detective work, right? Yes. It was fun. It wasn't quite as messy as some of the stuff we were just talking about before. So I love the mystery of it. And two, the reason I thought maybe that there was a chance they were going to work out was because she wasn't like posting about it and neither was he and they weren't doing branded deals. You know how easy they could have gotten like a green giant contract? A hundred percent. Like John Deere was calling them. Like, let's be honest. A hundred percent. So like, first of all, I'm upset about that. Like the branded opportunities that went out the window. What but also it seemed real because they weren't like shoving it down our throats. As much as I was annoyed by that, it made me believe in their love. Totally. Um, but she confirmed their quote unquote split, if you want to call it that, on um, Nick Vile's podcast. We, they've been, they were together for like April, so kind of through the summer. 
And she said, I'm just living my best life. We went in a separate direction, but I respect him so much. I think he's an amazing man. I just think right now I'm in a different place than he is. I'm not moving to Iowa anytime soon. So I just want to focus on me. It's been so much about other people this year. And I just want to hone in on what I want to accomplish. I still talk to him all the time. I think he's amazing. We're a lot alike, but I just want to focus on myself right now. I'm not a farmer, but I know an effing lot about corn right now. (laughs) Some of those quotes were like, put together like there was Nick interjected but I just really liked the end that could be like her housewives tagline if they did Real Housewives of Arlington I'm not a farmer but I know an effing lot about corn now yeah love that um here for that same girl I honestly feel that she probably went there she got introduced by a mutual friend she went there being like oh this can be like a fun fling and he was like, I want to get married because, you know, he's been very vocal. Like he wants to settle down and get married and have kids. Like that's what his whole thing is. Fine. And she was like, oh, that sounds fun for a day. And then was like, oh, I'm not living on a farm. That was her trying it out, maybe? Totally. And I, I mean, good for them. I could see them still like being friends and maybe something happening down the line. I think that's a fun. I mean, I guess it's like a coronavirus pandemic fling. Yeah, that's the new summer fling, a, a, a fling in the queue. On a farm. Yeah, like COVID fling. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I'm kind of here for it. Farming life is pretty fun for a couple months, but not for a long term, let's just say. Yeah, I mean, we met Chris Soles and Andy Dorfman's season. She made it, he made it to the final three. Then she was like, I'm not living on a farm. Then he was the bachelor and he had all the women travel to Arlington and pretend that they wanted to live on the farm. But ultimately it came down to Whitney. They were engaged for like three days and then he went on Dancing with the Stars and they broke up. And then he's just been on the farm by himself. So he had Victoria F for a hot minute. Farmers only. Again, another branding opportunity. There's a lot we can do Seriously. here with Crystal. So hopefully he's not too broken up about this as I am because I'm, you know, about to go to Leaping Lizards and have a little memorial service, which was the restaurant that I reached out to when we found out that they had a date there. And honestly, the only way we ever got a photo of them together. I, I think Leaping Lizard. Media editor of Leaping Lizard. I think Leaping Lizard every day for their service. And I just, as I said, when they broke up, I'm hoping that they weren't banking on catering the wedding because they lost that opportunity. It's a hard time for restaurants. Okay, well, Emily, if there's anything else you wanted to say about everything that's happening about your nation, speak now, forever hold your peace. Otherwise, I'm sure you will be back soon to help me break down whatever else this crazy world throws at us. I will be back, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on. Next up, we have an exclusive interview with Charlene Joint, who you may remember and love from season 18 of The Bachelor with Juan Pablo, where she is most remembered for leaving the show before the final rose. But Charlene actually has a great relationship with Juan Pablo, which we will get into. And she joins me now to talk all things Bachelor Nation and her new podcast. Hi, Charlene. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Of course. How are you? How has quarantine been treating you? Because you're in the city, too. Yes, I am. You know, the city's just not quite the same. I think we can agree on that. But... For me, since I'm on the road normally a lot, I cannot complain about the unadulterated like together time with my hubby. So it's kind of, it's been sort of fun to play house for a while, which I don't normally get to do. I have so many questions for you as we inch closer to season 16 of The Bachelorette, because you obviously know Claire from your time on Bon Pablo's season of The Bachelor. Yes, I knew Claire and, you know, Claire, I have Claire's phone number on my phone and I have nothing bad to say about Claire and I receive her on the street, we would hang out and probably get along great. But it's not like I'm like, Claire and I don't talk every day. Right. You know, and it's not, there's no tea there. It's just simply 
it's been seven years since we filmed that season and, you know, life moves on. So she didn't call you from Palm Springs to tell you about the whole Tasha situation? <laughs> I don't think I was on the short list of numbers, no. <laughs> if so, I missed it. <laughs> well, what was your reaction when you found out, one, that they were pulling back from your season of the show to have Claire be the Bachelorette and when all of this started to unfold, even though we don't totally know what happened? I know you keep up with Bachelor Nation. I, to be honest, I'm not that great with that. It's more so that people, be, because I'm their connection to the bachelor sphere, I sort of end up having these probes out into the world. I'm like reality Steve Light. <laughs> like reality Steve gets the dirt, but I have a lot of readers and friends who are like, did you hear this? And so it just sort of lands in my inbox, which is nice. I don't have to do any fishing. Totally. Also, just in general, with Juan Pablo and everything, revisiting this Bachelor Greatest Seasons Ever thing, were you surprised when you got when you found out that, you know, there were going to be clips of you all over ABC again? <laughs> it's funny you say that when a producer first reached out to me to ask me if I wanted to come on for that chat with Chris Harrison. I was like, greatest ever? Really? <laughs> That's like a bit of a misnomer, isn't it? And he was like, well, it depends, you know, what, how you define greatest. Like, you know, the Great Depression? <laughs> so, yeah, we were joking about it. I, knowing that Claire was already, you know, crowned bachelorette, I had a good feeling that it was probably going to happen. So I, and I had plenty of time to wrap my mind around it. That's not to say that I didn't have any anxiety surrounding it. <laughs> It, you, when you do something like that, you don't necessarily expect it to air again, even in a montage style capacity seven years later. Yeah. Um, and I saw on social media and in the recap you wrote, you were kind of getting trying to seek some justice for Juan Pablo. Yeah, it was kind of cathartic to write in a way, just as someone who has... I know I, I just say in my position, like it's not like my position is so hard or anything, but you know, for the last six and a half years, truly, you know, if anyone stops in the street or I get emails or DMs or anything, it's always like, oh, that piece of shit. And I'm always like, most of the time I try, and even in the moment, it sort of depends on my energy levels and how open the person I'm speaking to seems. But often I'll be like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't so bad. But then there's just times where you're like, you just smile and nod and you're like, yes, sure. I dodged a bullet. Okay. Whatever ABC told you to think, sure. What do you think the biggest misconception about him in general is from what you know from your time on the show? Yeah, I think the biggest one for me was the... Oh, there's just so many. It's hard. the biggest misconception. Oh, that's hard. Probably if I had to distill it down to one, just the fact that he doesn't care about, that he didn't care about the other women's feelings or wasn't curious about them, simply because that truly was the polar opposite to my experience, where I felt like he asked me plenty of questions. We bonded over the results of those questions. You know, we ended up having conversations based on them. And he remembered the answers to those questions. You know, the next time I had a one-on-one -on -one date, he would refer to something I had said like weeks ago. So things like that. I, I know that's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but if we were going to break it down to all the things he did wrong, that's one of many examples that I have of just disagreeing. Just disagreeing with the, the mass the masses on 
Right. And I'm sure as you were filming it and, you know, having these decent conversations and doesn't mean, you know, you wanted to marry the guy, obviously, as we saw, but you were like, this is perfectly fine experience. When you watched it back at the time, were you shocked? Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly. Because, you know, while we were filming, it's not like everyone secretly at the house was like, oh, he's so this or that. Everyone was either not talking about him out of respect for each other or they were talking about how great he was. So it's always a little interesting to get that in retrospect take based on how it all appears on TV. And I don't know, it just sort of felt like there was a, there was a fork in the road and all of a sudden it veered in a different direction. And as far as filming goes, and there is not a woman on my season who will disagree with me. No one was talking about how terrible he was while we were filming. They weren't. Maybe it was being discussed in ITM rooms with Andy and Claire later on. I can't, I don't know, I can't speak to that. But certainly during my seven weeks on that show, no. Did you overall have a pleasant time filming that show? Or was because it's like, I feel like it's either someone has like the greatest time and they like lived it up or it was like emotional torture. <laughs> emotional torture. It is emotional torture. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very apt way of putting it. It's a difficult thing to go through and I don't know how else to put it really. It, you... To, it cannot be overstated, like the impact being stripped of your like comforts and the things that are sort of your, you know, compasses or your barometer for what normal is and getting, you know, getting your friends' opinions, your parents' opinions, just all these little things that lead you to the conclusions that you do and the choices that you make on a daily basis. And just even being in a normal environment, you know, you are, you are more of your, in your right mind but when those are all taken away from you and blinders are put on you instead for a, you know, a person of the opposite sex and there's that sense of competition and you're surrounded by intimidatingly gorgeous women and you suddenly feel very flattered yet also very invisible at the same time and you like your producers but you don't know how much you can trust them but you still feel like maybe you could trust them more than the women in the house but then sometimes you think you trust the women more it's just this like constant like paranoia and self-doubt it's hard to really know where how you feel it's hard to know how you feel and that's it's such a simple sentence but it's true you're like i think i really like him but you know what i feel is great in real life and there's no way to really know right yeah emotional torture <laughs> I'm not a journal entry person, but I did keep a journal for that experience. And I'm so glad I did because everything was so dramatic. It was so, you know, my feelings were just, I learned a lot about myself, but you just are in a constant state of stress. And on top of all that, you're waiting all the time. You, you're conscious of cameras being on you, but yet you're sort of fighting for time to like put yourself together. They don't give you that time really. And you're always sort of being rushed. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. And you are low on sleep. You are going to bed late talking about him. You're waking up early to talk about him. I could go on. <laughs> it's fascinating, though. It's emotional torture. But it's true. All of that, you know, will eventually have an impact. Whether or not you think you'll, you'll be susceptible to manipulation. Yeah, I'm sure. And you probably go in thinking like, oh, I'm smart. I'm smarter than this. I've seen the show. I know the game. And then the next thing you know, you think you're, you know, going to be Mrs. Juan Pablo. And then you're devastated when you break up. Um, I also think it's just so interesting with 
with Claire being brought back and them airing their breakup in the promo and stuff, and it making it just bringing back all of these emotions and stuff. Do you think it's almost a disservice to both Claire and Juan Pablo for like the focus of her like intro to be all about something that happened seven years ago? Because I kind of do. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's not like that was Claire's only run on the show. I know it was her first and most prominent run on the show, but I agree. And I, I did discuss this in my recap, how I feel that the two are mutually exclusive. The fact that she told off Juan Pablo in no way, you know, reflects how great a bachelorette she'll be. It's like, oh, she has the ability to tell off men. Like that's, I'm more interested in her traits as a woman and, and what about, you know, what about her I can relate to? Well, maybe what about her is different from me, but why I would want to watch her on TV. It, it, it has nothing to do with, <laughs> I, I, to me, that's how I feel. And of course, I'm going to have a biased take on this because I don't think he's all that bad. And so I, I recognize that I am biased, of course. Well, I also love that you wrote that in your recap. You're like, quote, worst bachelor ever. Like, I don't know when people started saying that about him, but it is a label that stuck. And I don't, I don't know when or why, but it definitely stuck. It did. And it was very weird to watch unfold. Because I went on to that season like any other, you know, I was like, I, I'm going to be on The Bachelor. You're not like, oh, I'm going to be on what will turn out to be this really controversial, like, weirdly iconic in a, in a negative way <laughs> season. And like I said, to this day, I cannot mention what season I was on or mention that I was on the show and not have people react in some sort of like, oh, <laughs> way. That must be weird. How long after the show wrapped did you meet your husband, your now husband? How long after it wrapped? So we wrapped, I wrapped uh, in October, I think October, late October. And then I met him at the end of following March. So my season had just finished airing. It was like two weeks after it had finished airing. And was he a Bachelor Nation person at all? <laughs> he thought the whole thing was hilarious when I told him, but I did tell him early on just because, you know, it was so soon after my season had aired and I knew it was just a matter of time before we'd be on a date and some, someone would recognize me because that was happening a lot at that time, especially here in the city. And so I figured it was, you know, it was worth the the time to debrief him on it <laughs> so that when that inevitably happened it wouldn't come out of left field yeah i find a lot of um the bachelor bachelor people who go pretty far like kind of get a fan base or the fan favorite type the people people are rooting for a lot of times they do end up meeting their like current significant other either going back to their ex that they were dating before the show or meeting their current now significant other like pretty soon after i don't know if that's just coincidence but i feel like that maybe it prepares you, it's like emotional boot camp, and then you know what you want? <laughs> I think it's, it has less to do with the show and more to do with the fact that the single people on the show generally are eligible, which is one of the reasons why they're selected to be on the show in the first place. I remember when I was debating whether or not to go this season, I was really like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I feel ready. And so it all sort of happened really fast. And I told the casting director, I was, no, the producer I was talking to at the time, that, you know, maybe call me next year, like call me on your ne the next season, like I'm not sure. And he was like, oh, you won't be single this time next year. And I realized that he's, he was right. Like, and I don't mean regarding me, I mean probably the majority of the contestants that are like, oh, give me a call in a year. Nine times out of 10, that's just sort of a function of being a single person in a non-pandemic time. <laughs> you know, if you're actively looking and you have some things going for you, 
and you and you're you do have an idea of what you're looking for, then yeah, you may not be single. Will it be your forever partner? Maybe not. But I I don't love the narrative that people who go on the show like can't get a date or they, um, you know, they're perpetually single, they're doing it all wrong all the time, that kind of thing, because it's just not true. Do you think if you had not met your husband after Juan Pablo season and all these Bachelor spinoffs were popping up, do you think you would have ever found yourself on the beach or on like a winter summer games type thing? you definitely would have been invited. I think it feeds the narcissistic side of you, your ego. When you go from talking multiple times a day about your feelings, sort of like a therapy session, to just real life, it's a really, it's a hard adjustment that I think people, unless you've been through it, don't really understand. And so while, yes, you can say, oh, people are going back on for the followers, they just want to be on TV again, what you actually miss oftentimes is that that. I don't want to say ego stroking, but your, your, your ego is being just cradled. <laughs> you know, you go into the situation where you're, you feel like you're friends with producers and it's, it's all just sort of like a really extra situation and you get to wax poetic about yourself multiple times a day. That I think is the element that if I had not met Andy after my season, I would have, part of me would have been like, Hmm, I wonder just because if I were still single, I'd be like, well, how cool would it be to get to satisfy that part of me and maybe meet someone? So while my instinct in response to that question is to say, no, I wouldn't have, I can't, I don't know for sure. That's an annoying answer, but it's true. No, I mean, how could you, first of all, how could you ever hypothesize? You met your husband, you were happy. It's like, you don't want to be on the beach in Mexico with a bunch of strangers, but at the same time, it's just an interesting thing to explore. Yeah, I'm in a completely different mindset because I met him. And if I never met him and instead I felt differently, then I can see the appeal of that experience for sure. See, you guys, she's so wise. This is what you get on Dear Shandy. You get these answers to these questions and you're like, oh, that's such a great way to put it. So sweet. I mean, I do try my best to be objective. And I think too many people try to just say what sounds right. And I think that's one of the reasons why I liked one Pablo. You know, not necessarily saying what's going to make you look good, but more so what's brutally honest. And it does set the stage for other people to be as brutally honest. Yeah, 100%. And I saw he responded to one of your tweets, like, thanking you. I just don't have anything negative to say about him, you know, which is more than I can say for some exes that I dated casually here or there. And if it were a casual relationship, maybe I would have stuck around for longer, but... Yeah, I, you know, he's, I have nothing negative to say about him. And, and the things, the critiques I did have, I did write in that recap, you know, he read them just like everyone else. And what I can say about him is that he didn't take offense to them. He wasn't like, well, I'm not actually like that. You know, he instead saw what I was saying with the entire article and thanked me for it, which is gracious in my opinion. Because a lot of people, like I said, with the podcast thing, might be inclined to focus on the criticism instead of the overall vibe. <laughs> it's just such a refreshing take. I feel like in Bachelor Nation, we're so quick to be like, they're the worst, they're the best, like put labels on all this stuff, and it's just not realistic. Yeah, and that's why I started recapping six years ago, truthfully. It drove me crazy. It happened to me, and it happened to people around me, and it continued to happen, and I was like, ah, oh, these, these are humans. And they... Part of what you're seeing is puppeteered. Yeah. While people got to see me on the show, was it truly an accurate representation of who I am? No, it's a facet of who I am, but not the whole picture. And so whenever anyone like 
calls some of the worst or God forbid goes on their Instagram or DMs them or does something that they can see to tell them how terrible they think they are. That's just not only is that a terrible and shitty thing to do, it's also based on not a full picture. Totally. And that means I need to ask you then just in general about Peter, our last bachelor, who is now dating his um, quote unquote fifth place Kelly, but they are perfectly happy, seem to love each other. And, you know, it's, it's easy to poke fun at, but they're obviously it all ends all as well that ends well. And as someone who can look on kind of the, you know, more optimistic side of things, do you, how do you feel about any criticism he's still getting for how his journey kind of played out? I think Peter has handled it all pretty damn well. And I was not a fan <laughs> this season. As anyone, if anyone read my recaps, they know that I was not a Peter fan. Uh, I, he just sort of seemed like really young and like a chicken with its head cut off, kind of just running around. And I, I think what's funny about him and Kelly dating today is that it really shows what people should be poking fun at is the show, not them as a couple. Because the fact that they knew each other beforehand and that even they could not find a way to end up together at the end of a show, which is supposed to be about finding your soulmate and ending up together. That's true. It's kind of impressive. Like, there are very few situations where you could put those two people in a scenario and film them and have them not <laughs> fight each other again. It's so, it goes to show how flawed The Bachelor is. That's very true. It reminds me of those like MTV shows where they're like, your soulmate is on this beach and you have to find them and you might win money. And it's like, it would be like if they knew somehow, like Peter knew that one of these girls was actually a soulmate, but then didn't pick her. Like it's, that's such an interesting way to look at it. Totally. Yes. And if they all, it just got to hang out, if you got to just know Kelly, just like you got to know everyone else and without all the bells and whistles and the drama and the Victoria F's. <laughs> The Victoria Apple moments. Um, I, I wonder if he would have been like, yeah, she's my, I get along with her best. I want to date her, you know, mm -hmm. instead of like all the cubby holding and pressure to propose. And do you think the pressure to, if you, obviously there's a million things you could point to this, but do you think the pressure to propose is the main thing that kind of the show has the biggest problem with that maybe if they scaled back on one of the one thing that it would maybe let the like quote unquote love stories find their way a little easier? I think it's a factor. It's a huge factor because it's not just about getting down on one knee. It's about all, what that represents. You know, breaking an engagement sounds so much worse than breaking up, period. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of amps up your already like freaked out mentality. Like I was freaked out just being a contestant. Like leads have it so much worse. I can only imagine what it feels like to go through that and to get so confused. You go into it being like, I'll know, I'll know. I know that I will know who my person is. And then inevitably people get a little confused when they get down to the final two or so. So I think if they did take that pressure off and it just became about dating, first of all, that would make the proposals all the more meaningful, the proposals we do get. Mm -hmm. Because that means that those people were really ready, they really did see it with each other, and it wasn't because they were contractually obliged, because they genuinely wanted to propose, so there's that. Second of all, like I said, it's just the, the amped up factor. There's too much pressure, too much pressure in an already high-pressure situation, but of course, that's what the show wants to create. You know, you're not going to get all those tears if people are 
on the verge of a meltdown. So, and then you can't really promote your season if you don't have all those tears. That's true. And I mean, it also goes back to Juan Pablo got so much flack, you know, for not proposing, not saying I love you. But now we barely see like a traditional ending anyway. So if it was a few years later, I don't know if people would, I mean, maybe he still would have gotten some, some, you know, flack, but I don't think it would have been quite as dramatic as it was because now we don't really see anyone do what they're quote unquote supposed to do anyway. Definitely. I also think that if it happened in the last two years or so, or three years, the last couple of years, I think they would have been maybe a little more prudent about being so quick to spin things on their first minority bachelor. I think that that has not aged well <laughs> at all. And so there's, there's definitely that. I do wonder, I feel like whenever anyone doesn't propose, it always, the show always does spin it in a way that's negative. The only person who I feel like got away with that was Colton. And it yeah. was made more okay by the fact that he like Jump broke up fence. with the other women and <laughs> jumped the fence. And it was all so dramatic and they were going to live together. You know, it, it all, it made it all more acceptable. That's very true. That's very true. Well, what about finding love in uh, allegedly 12 days? <laughs> <laughs> 12 days? What's, where's that? What's that from? That would be Claire's alleged timeline. Oh, apparently. it's 12 days? Yes. Wasn't it rumored that she was speaking to him beforehand? That is, yes, one element that um, – no one has really confirmed it. I don't know. I Hopefully they would, will address that transparently because I've talked about this on this show several times. I'm like, whatever happens, I just want them to be honest. Like, no, I'm not going to be mad at Claire, quote unquote, she broke the rules and spoke to this person, whatever. I just want to know. Right. If you, if you thought you were about to do a film and then they were like, here's the 30 men and their Instagrams are all live, you can DM, they can DM you. Come on. You, people are lying if they're like on their high purse. Like, oh, you should spend the next three, four months like, like la 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 like give me a break of yeah. course she's gonna talk to some of them or they will at least attempt to reach out to her whether or not she engages is up to her but 12 days well, this is fast but i'm not i i met andy and we we hopped into things real fast like we just really knew that we were right for each other was it 12 days no but was it in the ballpark yes so i I don't think there's such a thing as too fast. I think that if both parties are on the same page, then your pace is yours. And no, everyone else could judge away, but only the two people in the relationship can speak to that. That is a lovely way to look at it too. Uh, <laughs> I'm like 12 days, that's insane. No. <laughs> well, I, I would have said that too at one point probably, but being in the relationship I'm in now, I really, I think I moved in with Andy after like two and a half weeks, honestly. And there okay. were a lot of, yeah, I know that sounds nuts. And there were a lot of circumstances that led that to happening. Like I didn't live in the city. So I did move my, my suitcases in like in a temporary way. And I just never left. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a lot of my friends called me crazy, you know, and they were like, if you do this now, like you could ruin the relationship. It needs to progress naturally. Like I said, everyone has their own language that they speak with their partner and Speed is one of the dialects of that language, and it's no one else's place to judge. I have days, it's a stretch, but it's possible. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll find out. The one thing about The Bachelor is we get to watch it all play out, whether people like it or not, and when the breakup does happen or doesn't happen or the marriage happens, we see it, so they can't hide from us. <laughs> um, I have to ask you, because I know you're good friends with Nick Vile, who I have talked to several times, love having him on this show. Since you're, you and your husband are 
relationship gurus on your podcast and stuff. Do you ever talk to Nick about, do you guys ever set him up or try to, you know, he's placed coy about his status, I know. So I won't ask you that, but in general. <laughs> um, I wouldn't ever try to set Nick up. I think I tried once, but, you know, it's, he's doing just fine. Like, it's not like Nick has a hard time getting a date. And so it, it took a lot for me to even broach that once. And it, you know, it just, it didn't really, they didn't even meet, they never, never spoke, but it just sort of didn't happen. And I'm very conscious of that because that's happened to me a few times where I've been like, oh, you'd be, you'd be so great if you met this person. And then the friend ends up, they date for like a couple months and then it ends terribly. And then it's just like, they become two people that you can't, both invite to the same social camp. Oh, yeah. So I don't think Nick is that kind of person, but you know what I mean. I He's doing just fine, and I would I would think long, it would have to be, like, perfect for me to be like, this girl, you have to meet her. You know, it would, it would take a lot for me to, to pull out that card. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's always answering relationship questions and stuff on his show and his Instagram. I feel like between the two of you, we could get, like, a – like a panel going or something. Yeah, I joined him on his show before. It was very fun. And yeah, we love talking. It's really, it's kind of funny that we both do it now because that's pretty much what we do when we hang out. We just talk about a lot of relationships and the ins and outs of them, deal breakers, the, the subtleties that I think sometimes go overlooked or not discussed maybe. Yes, I love that. And um, again, that's what you guys do on your show too. You're like analyzing certain things and you're coming from it in a non-judgmental perspective. And I think that that's hard to find. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I, it's whenever anyone calls, first of all, it takes a lot of balls to call. This is one thing I've learned. It, maybe it's different because you're like, you know, you're having on Bachelor alums who've been on national television so many years. <laughs> but you know what, sometimes... These people who write in their questions, when I follow up and say, hey, would you be willing to come on? They balk. Like, they're not. They don't want to come on. Even if their face isn't shown, their name isn't shown, or they have a fake name. It, it, that's a, been an interesting lesson for me, is, is how people want the answer, but they don't want to put it out there. But that's sort of a function of having a podcast. Like, I'm, I would, it would be a full-time job if I was just emailing people back what they should do with their relationships. Yeah. So that's been a, a funny a funny balance to find for sure. I have two last question. I'm sorry. I oh, I don't even know if there was a question. <laughs> um, but I do have two last questions for you. And one is how has, are you still an opera singer? And what is that like in the pandemic? Oh, that's a great question, Sarah. <laughs> I am still an opera singer and I have been, I was an opera singer before I went on the show and every day since it's been hard. Like I, I joke that I'm, you know, luckily I have, other things that I do and singing hasn't been the only thing I do for a long time, which is the case by the way, for most singers, most singers I know they don't only sing just because you, you have to be enormously successful to only sing. And even then you're living out of a suitcase for like 10 months out of a year, which sounds terrible. So I'm thankful that that's not what I solely rely on, but it has been a pretty, it's not a great feeling. I don't know if the business, can bounce back to the way it was and it was already if I'm honest the opera business was already not in great shape so I don't know I'm trying to stay optimistic and I've done a bunch of you know digital concerts and things like that 
<sighs> I don't know. I don't want, I, that's sort of a depressing answer, but I, no, I'm not singing right now. My season is canceled, just like every other singer I know. And there are no answers yet. It sort of just keeps getting pushed back, sort of like Broadway, you know, for a while, yeah. it's just like, oh, for a few months. And now it's like, okay, till spring 2021 or whatever. And will it actually open in spring 2021? I, who knows? Well, there's either the bachelor jobs you always remember are like the really random ones. Like you had Kelly on your season who was quote unquote dog lover or like the opera singer. who's like, oh, that's so cool. And you don't forget. So like, I always remembered that about you. And then everyone else is just like, they put ad sales or something just because they don't know what to say, especially now. Oh, there's a lot of those. Yes. So the jobs are always something. And every year, I feel like they definitely went through a phase where they made them so ridiculous. And Juan Pablo's season was one of the ones where they were really just playing up the most absurd things. But Opera Sticker was like, oh, that's a real job. And that's a cool job. So you're going to remember it. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because on a season with a dog lover and a free spirit, a lot of people, I think, thought that, that I wasn't actually an Opera Sticker. <laughs> yeah, probably. It sort of like took away from you know, how believable it was, but no, I actually am and have been. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my last question for you, and then obviously plug Dear Shandy and tell everyone where they can listen, um, is your f best and worst memory from filming the show? For me, the highlight was probably Soul, because that's before you start really going batty. You know, the excitement, you've just flown around the world and you're in a totally different culture. I'd never been to any part of Korea before. And uh, it was so like, it was also maddening because you're trapped in a hotel room, but there was this one day that we got off. First of all, my one-on-one -on -one date was magic, magic. He told me he selected that date for me and it showed how well he knew me, that it wasn't some kitschy activity, but it was really just exploring a, cult a culture that was foreign to both of us together. That was deeply meaningful and it was just a magical day you know that that was one of those moments where I said like you start to get in your head and you're like oh <laughs> and there was a day that we had off but before we flew to Vietnam and th that was our only day off by the way and by off I mean there's no bikes no cameras no flying no traveling nothing we were allowed out <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were like like puppies like <laughs> so excited to be out in the city and we spent the whole day just exploring eating shopping as a big group of, of ladies with like two producers as chaperones and it was just the best day it was so great we were we all just got along the food was amazing we shopped till we dropped and we just got to get that tourist out of us you know which is yeah. a very painful thing to never get to do when you're in a foreign place and the worst <laughs> probably by the time we reached new zealand new zealand was amazing but by the time we reached new zealand and then heading into miami that was really hitting like the climax of the drama in the house and by then my closest friend to the house kelly had gone cat was about to go home and so you don't have that person that you're just rooming with that you can just vent with. And Claire and Nikki were like, oh, the, the tension you could cut with a knife in the house. And, it, and to also be in a foreign place that you don't get to explore, so you never get to let off that steam. That's a big factor to the stress levels that people don't understand. And it's one of the reasons why the women are always annoyed by drama, even if they're not involved in it as they are. And so, you know, you're in New Zealand, you can't escape, you can't wander this foreign land that's stunning and meanwhile you're stuck 
hearing people fight and you have to talk about their fight all the time mm -hmm. in your girl chats and your ITMs. There, that one and a half weeks was really, it was one of the reasons I just wanted out, you know, you're just like, I'm, I'm an adult, like I don't want to do this anymore. You know? yeah. It's fun for us to watch, but I guess it's not as fun to like be there. <laughs> but I think there's no, you know, there's, there's no, there is a, a common theme with every season. You do see around episode seven, the episode leading into hometowns. Hometowns is when the contestants branch off, they get to go to their respective hometown cities and not live on top of each other's. Episode seven is just hell. It's hell. There's not enough contestants anymore to just not do girl chats all the time. So you're doing girl chats all the time, talking about each other, talking about who's on the date, whether or not you think they'll come home, talking about the fight that these other girls are having. <sighs> <laughs> She's exhausted just remembering it. So, yeah, I, you can tell seven years later, I'm still just so frustrated. It was so annoying. I was just done. I don't know if Claire's season's going to have a classic episode seven because of everything that happened, but if you would be down to come back for episode seven of Claire's season, I would love to have you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From what it sounds like, she does not have an episode seven. I'm interested to see how they incorporate her in the season overall. Um, I mean, what we've heard, I don't know if this is true, but what we've heard is that they're going to air like her quote unquote journey and then she's going to leave and then Tasha's going to just take over and they're going to try to make it like, I think there's probably going to be one like dramatic climax episode of the switcheroo and then it's going to probably air just as like two actual seasons of the show. Okay. Oh, you know a lot. <laughs> See, so I, get my intel. I don't need to do any Googling. I'm just told. I'll send you what I know. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's good to know. I've been brief. Yes. Well, so we'll see. I mean, we're getting closer and closer, but uh, ABC still just only has Claire and all the promos and stuff. So we're getting more Juan Pablo than Tasha in, in the promos. So unclear what's going to happen, but thank you again for coming on and again, tell everyone about Dear Shandy one last time. iTunes, Spotify, the whole thing. Yeah. Dear Shandy, if you need relationship advice, and you want to get it from an actually happy married couple, <laughs> then you can go to Dear Shandy uh, on Instagram, iTunes, YouTube. We video them as well. The works. And, and yeah, my blog is All the Pretty Pandas, where I do bachelor recaps. And yeah, that's, that's about it. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. Thank you to Emily for helping me break down all of the crazy Bachelor news this week and to Charlene for doing some light reminiscing about Juan Pablo season and diving into Claire's season with me. Come back next week for more Bachelor news, more Bachelor exclusives, and don't forget to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. <laughs>